Sarah, aka Try Sarah for Kids on the Leaderboard. Hi, I'm Katie, aka Katie Pellavicino on the Leaderboard. We are friends, triathletes, and working moms with six kids ages 12 and under between us. We like to talk, we like to listen, and tell great stories. And we love to ride our Peloton. Together, we bring you the Empower Hour podcast with Katie and Sarah, and we plan to share what's going on in our world answer important training and racing questions, and bring on inspirational, intriguing, and insightful guests, all with the mission to motivate you to move. And while our focus will be mostly on power zone training on the Peloton, we will also address issues that affect a broad spectrum of healthy living. Things like squeezing in everything when you've got small kids at home, to returning to fitness after pregnancy or injury, and so much more. So join us each week as we catch up, discuss our mutual love of training and all things Peloton, and tap into the minds of experts and fascinating guests while bringing you the advice and inspiration you need. This week, Katie and I talk planking challenges and FTP tests and finishing up the winter power zone challenge. Then, in our Power Up segment, we dig into FTP testing during pregnancy with Beck Wassner, who is a pro triathlete, cycling and triathlon coach with Team Wilpers, yes, as in that Matt Wilpers, and finally, in our Powerhouses segment, be prepared to be moved by Katie Kickle Hernandez, who will share her amazing journey of powering her way through a breast cancer diagnosis on her Peloton, and is now using her platform to educate other women on genetic testing, which may have saved her life. Once you hear her story, you'll never want to say, I'm too tired to work out today, again. Hey, Katie, what's going on? Hey, Sarah. Um, I was super, I'm just super excited that we decided to start up the Empower Hour podcast. Um, When you came to me with the idea, you know, last week, I think we've made a lot of progress in the last week and just getting this started. I know this is so fun. So as anyone who might be listening remembers, I did have a podcast. I do have a podcast called Victory Laps. I started it last summer and it was great fun, but it was also kind of lonely. And I decided that I wanted to do something with a co-host and who better to do a podcast with than the one and only Katie Palavicino. Katie, you're just like such an awesome person. You inspire me on the daily you inspire so many people out there and you have gotten me totally hooked on the Peloton power zone classes. Well, I mean, you inspire me too. And I'm super honored that you, uh, picked me to want to do this with you. So I can learn a lot from you as well. Um, yeah. so it's, awesome. it's great. So not only do we get to catch up every week, we will also have a chance to talk to experts and coaches about different training specific issues that we have or that our friends have or anybody out there who rides Peloton, specifically power zone training classes. Uh, We'll also are planning on bringing on some really fascinating, inspiring guests uh, who also use the Peloton and power zone training to, uh, as their, as their vehicle for fitness. And there's so many amazing stories out there and we're going to bring them all to you And so, but we'll also share a little bit about about ourselves and about our training and how everything is going. So how is everything going, Katie? Good. Um, Feeling good. I um, uh, kind of working through like a new strength 
plan for myself, um, mixing things up. And I hadn't really gotten into the Peloton strength uh, until recently in the past month or so. I've been, you know, really trying to put together a plan that works for me um, and also incorporating my, my planking. I, you know, trying to get back up to trying to hold a plank for a long time. Um, so I'll do a couple strength strength workouts. And then at the end, I'll end with a plank. Uh, and I do that like three times a week, um, building up. I Right now I'm doing about five minutes. Actually today, I just did one for uh, seven minutes. Um, so, and honestly, like you guys need to try this. If you just hold a plank um, for even you know a minute and the next day, everything will be sore. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I think I might be onto something here. Um, so been doing that. And then, as you know, we just finished up our, uh, our April power zone challenge. Yes. Uh, yeah. That, that power zone challenge was, I think one of the challenging, most challenging ones I've done, actually, I've only done two, but, uh, it was harder this time around, but in a good way. And I feel like I got more into it maybe because it was a winter and, I just looked forward to going down on my Peloton and cranking out those workouts. And I guess we should just explain for anyone who doesn't do the challenges. It's um, eight weeks of structured workouts that is set up by an outside party, not Peloton, but uh, people who are just big fans. And um, we just follow this workout plan every week and there's three rides a week. And the idea is just like with any training plan, you build, start off easy, gets harder and harder, and then you kind of taper down. And then the end plan is to take your FTP test, which is the big test that shows how much progress you've made in terms of your functional threshold pace, right? Yeah. And you retested. So you, you I retested. I did. So back when I was um, with my training group for triathlon, the FTP test was the like most dreaded day of anybody who you ask who it's just a really, really tough 20 minutes, but it's only 20 minutes. It's all out. It's kind of like a 5k race. If anyone who runs 5ks, it's like you're pushing yourself to the max for 20 minutes. So it's doable. You're not going to die. You're not going to fall off the bike, but it feels like that at the end. Um, and so I psyched myself out for a good three days. And then I decided last week just to go down and do it. And, um, sure enough, I bumped my FTP test up, my FTP score up by 27 Watts from the time I took it in December, but I'm still coming back from, you know, pregnancy and postpartum and all that. So I have a lot of room to improve. I don't expect that trajectory will last much longer. I think with all things training, you do plateau at a certain point, And I'm expecting that I'll be in these zones for quite a while. What do you think, Katie? Are you, you're, you're still improving though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I did Matt's 90 minute ride over the weekend and, you know, he talks about how you can't just keep going up, you know, you, you really can't. And then, and when each challenge we do, uh, I always tell everyone that, you know, it's great to retest. It's great to retest for a couple of reasons. One is, um, you know, it's good to practice that test because it is hard and is mental, and it's good to get like a strategy. And you know, what strategy works for me might not work for everyone, so it's good to practice it. Um, and then two, uh, 
you, you know, you might not go up every time and you shouldn't be riding in a zone that's too high for you. Um, and it's good to kind of go up, you know, maybe you go up a couple challenges and then you maybe drop down a little bit and then you go back up. You just can't keep, you know, the numbers going up and up and up and up. Um, mm -hmm. I did not retest saying that I did not retest this challenge only because only because I got the second shot, um, the week, the, the weekend before, and I knew that I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be myself. Um, and I didn't also didn't want to pass out and have to go to the emergency room or anything. So, um, so that being said, I did not retest. Yeah, I, I would, I don't blame you whatsoever. I think you're very smart to just do what you're doing and you know, you're comfortable in your zones. You probably will go higher, but you are comfortable riding where you are. You're already riding really well. Uh, and so the funny thing is with Peloton is that you can like chase ghosts. I always say I'm chasing the ghosts of KDP because I'll do rides <laughs> that, that you've done um, in the past. Cause you've done like every power zone ride. And so I filter it only so that I'm um, see people who I follow and like, I'm like, I'm getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer to Katie. And it means nothing because of course you can't compare to one stationary bike to the next. It's not really a race at all. It's not a race whatsoever, but it's fun. I'm, we're always super close. And I think that's how we would be outside too. So I imagine that's how we're riding outside. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's great. And I'm looking forward to the next challenge, which will start in a few, few weeks, I guess a little bit less than a month. Um, and then maybe to some riding outside too. So, um, so you mentioned you're vaccinated. So moving on to the very exciting topic of spring break, you're going to be doing some traveling. Yeah, so we, um, you know, we, Matthias and I are both vaccinated, so we decided the kids are really antsy to go somewhere. Um, at first, we were looking local, and I was scouring the internet for anything that had a Peloton bike or a lap pool, like a lap pool, like a legit lap pool, not, you know, like a 10 meter, you know, something that you're going to get disease swimming laps in, but like a legit 25 meter, 50 meter you know, lap pool. And I stumbled across this place in Curacao that had called the Lion's Dive that had a 50 meter swimming pool. And I was like, this is, this is it. We have to go here. And actually at first we were like, no, you know, and then we weren't going to do it. Uh, we were going to go to the Homestead Omni, which is about three hours from here. And they did have a Peloton bike. And then Matias kept seeing ads for this place. And he's like, okay, we're going to, I really want to go to this place. So we changed it and we, and we booked it. So we're going, um, March 30th. So next Tuesday and come back on the fourth. So I'm hoping to get a lot of swimming in. Yeah. I saw the pictures and it's beautiful. And I think, you know, you have that security of knowing that you're vaccinated and also the resorts are doing like everything above and beyond in terms of COVID safety. And so I'm sure you guys will be you, you'll probably be able to forget about it once you're there. I think that's- and I, Yeah, we have to get tested before we go. Um, and then we have to get tested to come back as well. And the resort, in most resorts now, they actually do the testing right there at the resort. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that pool looks ridiculous. You're, you're amazing. Like that's, it's amazing that you found that. Um, I also, so we're going to Cedar Key, Florida. 
uh, on Saturday coming up. And I originally was looking for an Airbnb with a Peloton and I realized that is um, kind of a fruitless search because it's just- There aren't that many. I, I don't think there are that many and there probably weren't in our price range. And so I found this place does have like a gym. It has like a rowing machine. Um, it's a house, but they have like a yoga studio. It looks beautiful. And so, um, but when I was like narrowing the search and narrowing the search and hotels don't really work for us because of, we just are too busy. We have four kids and just, I know yeah. some hotels have Pelotons, but it just wasn't going to work for us. I wanted a house. And so when I was looking, my husband, Mark was like, you got to just give up the Peloton. We're only going to be gone for a week. Um, and so I will not be riding for those seven or eight days that were gone. However, um, I didn't mention that I am on my streak. So this is day 94 of my Peloton streak, which is riding every day. Um, not just doing a Peloton workout, but actually doing like a power zone workout. I mean, there have been days where I've done like just, just ride because the day's just too busy and I have to get on the bike and I don't want it to feel like a chore. So I just get on and ride and watch TV. So I've done a couple of those, but most of the time I'd shoot for at least 45 minutes a day, which is ending on Saturday with day 100. So that's, crazy. that's, I mean, I'm, that's, that's awesome that you got to 100. And I think, I think on Peloton, uh, there's a badge for 100 streak, but it's like anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know I, I got to 100, I've gotten to 100, but I'm pretty sure during, you know, when COVID first happened, I got to 100, but I'm pretty sure that I did, you know, some running, some strength. I, I've never done the bike for that long. I think my longest might be like seven days. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe I've done it. I've never streaked for anything and I've tried a running streak and I got injured and then I never really loved riding my trainer to the point that I wanted to get on it every day. So, uh, this has been so fun and I'm like, Ooh, I would keep going if we weren't going out of town, but it just so happens that day 100 is Saturday and we are driving to Florida. So I might actually ride like at midnight <laughs> on, on Saturday because we want to leave pretty, we're trying to maximize sleeping time for the baby and for the kids. So I might do something crazy, like ride at 2am, but it would be Saturday. And then I can say, I did my 100 rides. That's it. And then I'm going to continue the streak while I'm away, just doing Peloton workouts, running. Some running. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that I was concerned because I hadn't been running as much because, you know, I have such a finite time that I can actually work out. And so when I chose to do like a power zone workout or like a 90 minute workout, obviously I'm not going to have time to run. I just can't, it's just not, it's just too much going on. So I haven't been running much, but yesterday I did a 10 K because yeah, the local running club just all of a sudden was like, we're going to have this 10 K and it's the best program. You pay $40 and it covers all the races for the year um, as your membership. And so I was like, why not? It's a free race. Yeah. My, my neighbor, Matt was going, so we drove together. And I mean, for being a runner for so long and racing so much, I felt like awesome. And I couldn't believe it because I was like, I haven't been running. Like I just- Yeah, have biking translates. The biking translate, I didn't like- I didn't max my speed out. I didn't push the pace. I stayed in this really comfortable, like I would compare it to zone three. And that's what I kept telling myself, stay in zone three, stay in zone three. 
And I didn't even look at my watch. I mean, usually in a 10 K I am like pretty tanked at mile four, like in a triathlon, for example, like by mile four, I'm like, where's the finish line? <laughs> I was like, even, you know, I was giving, wow. can't do that in COVID. I was like, you know, waving to people and I couldn't believe it. So I have to say there's something to be said about this power zone training in terms of just your, your engine, your endurance system and being able to like have the engine to keep going. Now, right. had I running at a pace that was like closer to race pace, whatever that is, I probably would have suffered because I just haven't been doing the mileage. But in terms of like that, just easy tempo speed, I was able to, to hang on. So that was fun. I mean, there was 54 yep. women, get this. The number one woman was 59 and then me, a master's runner. And then number three was 52. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was like, wait, we're not, it was grandmasters, masters, grandmasters. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It gives you inspiration, you know, to keep it going. You can keep, you can keep, keep it up, you know? Yeah. Oh gosh. This local runner here, Cindy, who's 59. She just never stops. She's had terrible injuries. She always comes back and just can like crank out seven minute miles, like no problem. And so yesterday she was just like, well, that was so slow. And I was like, you're not slow. Like you have to realize this, like you won the oh. race for 59. Um, so, and then woman behind me had five kids. So it's pretty neat. It was just so fun to be out there and like see familiar faces and just be like in that community again. Yeah. It feels kind of normal, I guess. It felt normal and they're, they're going to continue. They staggered the start and that was even nice too, because usually they start like at nine. Uh, we started at seven 30. So I was done and like home by nine 15, because there's like, there's never a war an award ceremony. There's, these are like low key races, but usually there's like a lot more social lingering afterwards. Yeah. They're just like fit across the finish line and pretty much go home. So I was home early and like, it was, it was nice. So the next one I think is a half marathon in May. I don't know if I'll be up to that. <laughs> I think Maybe I'll start. you're inspiring me to start running. Maybe I'll start yeah. running. Well, I'm doing like, I don't know, six to 10 miles a week right now. So <laughs> I could maybe, I could maybe get there. You could do a 10 K probably. I mean, it's just yeah, like, I could do it. take the, the, the cool thing about having such a long layoff. The last time I did a 10 K, I can't even remember how long it was ago. I mean, I was pregnant as of May, 2019. So it has been a quite a while and I wasn't really running much before then I was doing some triathlons, but it'd been so long, but like you know, it's just like, I don't have anything to compare. I'm not going to compare myself to who I was two years ago, you know? So I feel like I am starting fresh, like having two years off from really racing as a runner has like made me just like, feel like I'm starting anew. And I, yeah. I know what my 10 K best is, but like, that was a different lifetime. It was a lifetime ago, like pre pandemic is a lifetime ago. So you can do that too. Like just go out and start and like, if yeah. And I, yeah. I, I just have, it's hard to fit in. Uh, you know, I like swimming four times a week. You know, I like biking these endurance biking, you know, training on the weekends. Um, so it's like, when do I run too? and strength train? So it's, um, right now I'm focusing on the swimming and the endurance biking and, you know, my body feels good. So I know. And you have to go with what you, what feels good running right. usually the thing that makes you in pain or, or, you know, for me too, like the more I run, 
Like I know my foot is going to act up. And so I do want to keep running to a minimum and just bike more and maybe swim more if I, <laughs> but and I don't swim as much as you, but I think that those are things that are going to be easier on our bodies and like oh, make, yeah. us, make us happy too. Yeah. My goal is to be my girlfriend. I swim with swim pin mama. Our goals are to be those 90 year olds at the USMS zones, uh, swimming the mile and everyone's sitting there waiting for us. Then everyone's <laughs> like cheering when we're done, like, Oh my God, they made it. <laughs> you will be so fast as a 90 year old. Yeah, You'll be beating the 40 year olds. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're going to move into our next segment. We are going to be joined by our resident expert, uh, who happens to be my sister, but uh, Beck Wassner will be joining us in just a second. And uh, I'll do a little introduction of her quickly, just so we can get you know, since this is the first episode and everything. But uh, Beck, as of about a year and a half ago, started working with Team Wilpers as a triathlon coach. And actually, Laurel, her twin sister, also my sister, also is a Team Wilpers coach. So Matt Wilpers, the Power Zone Peloton instructor, has a separate coaching uh, entity that he has a bunch of athletes and he has a bunch of really qualified coaches. Laurel and Rebecca are both pro triathletes and they coach people to do anything from improving on the Peloton to running a half marathon to maybe doing triathlons when triathlons come, you know, become more resume a lot of their triathletes had races canceled in 2020 so um, they're hoping that people will be able to get back out there but um, every week we're going to bring an expert on and uh, this week we have Beck who's going to be weighing in on a question about pregnancy and testing on for the FTP when you're pregnant and I want to make a quick correction I did say functional threshold pace it's actually functional threshold power right yep I always say pace, but it has nothing to do with pace. It's all about power. And that is why we're called the empower hour. So just want to make sure I get that in there because I, I kind of misspoke earlier. Okay. So we can move right into our next segment here because we have our expert and, um, we thought that we could do something called the power up. And that's basically just having, um, a reader or a listener or a friend write in with a comment or a question and Katie and I will offer our kind of our personal advice and then we will actually have a coach come on and offer more from the coach's perspective so I'm lucky enough that I am I have three sisters and two of them are coaches who work uh, for Peloton or works with, with Matt Wilpers of all people so we are joined here today by Beck Wasner. Let's not waste any time here. So um, we actually have a bunch of people have already commented or asked about certain things about uh, specifically power zone training. Um, so this week's question comes from Meredith in New England, who asks, as a new mom in week 22 of my second pregnancy, I've been trying to desperately hold on to my Peloton FTP. It's been a great challenge to stay fit, and my strategy has been to hold on to my current zones and just keep listening to my body with the full, su full support of doctors. I have noticed FTP test is very challenging to, and mental, to mentally get into. I've attempted two times since my last test in December, and I just can't get into it. Should I hold on to my zones until I hit postpartum and wait to retest then? Beck, what do you think? Do you think that she should uh, test while she's pregnant? 
I'd say you don't have to, especially if it's going to be um, cause any kind of anxiety or anything like that. It's it's fine. You can just ride your zones as they are now. Um, you can always take it take it down as you get further and further into your pregnancy. So um, either um, instead of retesting, just you could start by saying if you normally ride in the middle of your zones or in the high end of your zones, start getting used to the idea of riding the middle to low end of your zones. Um, and then as you progress, you'll notice as you get bigger, the bike's going to be a little more uncomfortable. Uh, you may be, have a harder time breathing. Different things will happen. And so it's going to be almost impossible to maintain that FTP that you have. So you'll, you'll easily realize like, okay, I've got, I can do this. I'm still riding. I'm still out here doing it, but I'm going to manage this FTP um, however I, however I need to. So um, that may start with like, say week 30, you're at 90% of your FTP, then like week 32, you might be at like 85% of your FTP. So you can kind of track it down like that. And then by the end, if you're still riding, great. Like who cares what your FTP is? Like you're just getting on the bike um, is something. Right. Yeah. So um, I didn't ride at all during any of my four pregnancies. So I really felt like I can't really speak to this because I don't have the experience, but I know Katie definitely was on the bike during pregnancy. So did you have, um, how did you manage training and kind of toning things down as Beck mentioned? Yeah. So I, I completely agree with what, what she's saying. I mean, it's, I rode, um, I didn't have a Peloton at the time. Um, but I rose on my trainer. I did stop riding outside. Just was a little bit worried about having an accident or something, but, um, and I actually didn't start riding with power until after Matthias, you know, he bugged me to try to start using power forever. And right. finally I broke down and, uh, decided to, to get a power meter on my bike. And, um, that was great. But well, when I was pregnant, I, I really just used heart rate as a gauge. And that's something to add to where, you know, like Beck said, you know, look, try to ride in your zones. Maybe at the, you know, you start, if you're normally riding at the top, um, throughout your pregnancy, you kind of start sliding down. I would also just say to use heart rate as a gauge because that is like, and Sarah and I were talking about, we want to do a segment on heart rate training versus power zone training. But when you are pregnant, heart rate's a great gauge to see if you are actually pushing it too hard. Um, and obviously your FTP is going to go down. You're, you're going to, you know, your heart rate's going to go higher, um, more like just naturally, and you're, you're going to have to drop down. And like Beck said, once you're in your postpartum phase, um, I would read, you know, you could retest, you could, um, see where you're at. And then, you know, it's, you'll easily work your way back up to where you were. Um, and you won't have to worry about heart rate anymore because it doesn't, you're not like worried about having, you know, any damage, like, you know, hurting yourself or, um, while you're pregnant. So. Yeah. And one thing I can speak to is the postpartum journey, which maybe we should tackle another time, but, um, I did start writing this time much sooner after I gave birth and it was very hard at first. I started with the app, um, doing, uh, power zone training on my trainer when I was probably about four months postpartum and it was difficult. And, but the cool thing is that I have that to look back to, and I have my original FTP, which was, um, lower, a lot lower than what I did 
recently. And so one of the cool things is that no matter what you do during pregnancy, know that you're going to start at a lower point coming back, but that that fitness that you're giving yourself now being pregnant and still riding is all going to pay, you know, in, in, in the future, it'll, you'll get a nice payback because you'll have that fitness, but it might just take some time. But I, I think the reason that I love, um, this power zone training so much is because, um, I see the progress. And so I'm still postpartum. I'm now a year postpartum, but, um, I see the progress and that's been so motivating for me to see that. So Meredith, we wish you the best of luck and you I'm sure we'll rock it no matter what you do. Hello everyone. Um, so with our, with our empower hour, we want to, um, our third segment, we want to bring in, uh, an inspiration and it, like someone who's, it, we've seen to be an inspiration in the Peloton community, um, through whether that through power zone, um, or just in general. Um, and today we have, uh, Katie Hernandez, uh, also known as Cleveland Kate. Um, so when, when COVID hit and, um, you know, I was riding my Peloton every morning because, you know, I'm home. That's what, that's all there was to do. And I noticed that there was this leaderboard name, Cleveland Kate, uh, who was always right near me on the um, leaderboard. And I thought it was funny because I'm Katie and I'm from Cleveland. So I was like, that's funny. And so I was always high-fiving her. She was always high-fiving me. And it got to the point where it was like every week, every week, every week. And I, I started thinking, I was like, you know, I wish that there was some way to, you know, you see people's leaderboard names and usually like try Sarah for kids. If, unless they know you, there's no way I can contact you because you know, that has nothing to do with your last name or anything. Um, so, and one of the, when, one of the ways I picked my leaderboard name was because I will, I kind of wanted people to be able to find me. So Katie Pellavicino. So we're on a ride one morning and, um, next thing, you know, I have a Facebook re request from a Katie, uh, Hernandez. And I was like, Hmm. And I go to her profile that says Cleveland Kate. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's you. And we started <laughs> we started Facebook messaging and, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I said, I'm from Cleveland too. And did you go to uh, Ohio University? Yeah. Yes. So we went to the same college and now we're both in the uh, Northern Virginia, Maryland area, which is cool. Um, so anyways, I wanted to introduce her to you guys, Cleveland Kate. She's got a great story about behind Peloton and just life and uh all the stuff that she does um so yeah if you want to just kind of talk about how you got into Peloton and you know your story behind it sure I would just like to clarify that I'm actually nowhere near you on the leaderboard so it was just <laughs> my repetitive high fives that really <laughs> hooked you um so I in 2017 um I had a few friends that had Pelotons and it always seemed like a really cool idea, but I had a group I went to the gym with and, um, and I, you know, Oh, I don't need that Peloton. I'm, I go to the gym with my friends. So, um, but anyways, in September of 2017, I had my routine mammogram, um, on the mammogram, they called me back and I always got the call back because I have dense breasts. So I got the call back. Um, and this time though, they so they re they redid the mammogram and I waited in the room 
for them to come in and say, you're good. See you next year. But instead they, they said the radiologist wants to speak with you. And I, um, that was very scary because you go in the radiologist room and it's dark, like <laughs> everything about it was scary. So, um, he told me that there were little specks of sand basically in my right breast that he didn't like how they lined up. And he said, you know, they are the size of grains of sand. They're very tiny, but we really need to get a biopsy. And I being in healthcare myself, you know, I'm always sort of, um, wondering how much of the excess testing really needs to be done. <laughs> so kind of a critic. So I immediately jumped to, are you kidding me? Like you are not going to biopsy these little grains of sand. That's crazy, ridiculous, waste of my time. Um, and the poor guy, I mean, you know, he knew what was best. So I agreed to the biopsy, of course. Um, and it was all such a long process. So I, I ended up getting the biopsy, not for like two weeks. I couldn't get in for two weeks. And then you wait another week for results. Um, actually when they did the biopsy, they said you, the guy, the surgeon that was doing the biopsy told me there's an 85% chance that this is just calcium deposits. So I sort of hung my hat on that and went on with my life and didn't think anything of it. Um, and then he ended up calling me, it was October 12th of 2017. And he said, actually that what we found is breast cancer. Um, so that was a punch in the gut because I was still under this 85% certainty that it was going to be nothing. Um, so after that began a whole series of just testing and waiting and testing and waiting, um, I had to have an MRI, the MRI, um, initially they thought there were no other areas that were involved. And then upon second look from the tumor board, um, there were, uh, several other areas they were concerned about. Um, so then at that point, I really didn't like this breast surgeon that I started with. Um, you know, I was always going to keep him because I, this wasn't going to be cancer and I was just going to have a biopsy and move on. Um, but as things started to progress and get a little bit more serious, I ended up divorcing him and finding this fantastic breast surgeon who I love and adore dearly. Um, so I ended up seeing him. Um, yes, it was breast cancer. He confirmed it. Um, so in the midst of all of this, you know, it's starting to look like I'm going to need some treatment, some surgery. Um, I'm in good shape, but I want to be in as best shape as possible going into whatever my body was going to have to go through. And I remember telling my kids, which was really hard. Um, but I remember telling them, but this is why I work out. This is why I try and stay strong. And it's really to arm my body with what I need to get through whatever it is I have to get through. And I'm going to be ready for whatever they throw at me. So, um, I ended up in the midst of all this waiting for final results and a final plan. I was at a party with, uh, and some friends and one of the women there had breast cancer and, and she was fully recovered and, um, healed and finished with her journey. And she said, um, yeah, I actually got a car out of my breast cancer diagnosis. I told my husband I needed a cancer gift and I got a car. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> well, <laughs> this, this could be an opportunity for me. Uh -huh. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, there ain't no way my husband's getting me a car. Uh -huh. However, 
I think <laughs> Peloton might be a good thing because I'm not going to be able to go to the gym for some time. Um, I, I like the convenience factor. I love spinning. I love cycling. So I went to my husband and I said, okay, I, this has been such a horrible journey so far and we still don't have answers. And I am just, you know, I need something. I need, I need something that's going to really drive me. And I think we should get me a car for my cancer diagnosis <laughs> to which of course he said, Kate, no, that we're not, I'm, you know, I'm very sorry for what you're going through, but we're not going to get you a car. Like that's just not going to happen. I said, okay, not a car, but you know, this was well-played by me. You go big and then you scale it back to what you really want. Um, so then I said, what about a Peloton? And you know, you can use it too. The whole family could use it. I think it'll be great because it'll be in the basement. And um, you know, once I have surgery and whatever other treatment I need, it'll be real easy for me to go down there and just sort of exercise at my own pace. And the wheels were turning and he was like, yeah, let's look into that. And it happened to be around when that Black Friday deal was going on too. Again, well played. Like I'm no dummy. So um, we got the Peloton. It was great. I um, I was able to hop on there and work really, really hard up until I had surgery, which was December 6th of 2017. Um, after my surgery, I, again, it was so great. I mean, I had drains and um, I had massive surgery. I had double mastectomy with reconstruction and I also had um, an oophorectomy. So I had my ovaries and my tubes out all at the same time. So it was an eight hour surgery. So I couldn't, get back to doing, you know, my normal workouts, but I could certainly get on that Peloton and just ride. And I did a lot of the uh, scenic rides and um, a lot of the beginner rides, and it was great to go at my own pace. Um, well, then I, I healed so quickly and I'm so blessed that I was so healthy going in because I really, and I do credit remaining active on the Peloton to a lot of that and just being able to move my body while I was recovering. Um, when I reached the point of where I was like, too good for beginner rides and too good for scenic rides, but not quite ready to jump into the craziness of a Robin spin class or anything like that, um, I found Power Zone. And it was great because I could just push that leaderboard out of the way and really just stay in my own zone, zone two and zone three, which was really a great transition for me to get back to where I really wanted to be without, so I was working a little harder, but not too hard for my body. And I was listening to my body the whole time. And, and that's really when I got into power zone riding. Um, and then once I was fully recovered and back to my workouts, um, I found a power zone team, which was great because I love a plan. You know, I do get this sort of decision fatigue. I stand at the bike and, you know, everybody does this. I'm sure like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I should probably do 60. Robin. No, I maybe Christine. No, maybe Jen. I want some good music. Okay. Eighties. I mean, it, the decision just goes on and on and on. So the power zone teams were fantastic because it was all laid out for me. Um, and in the process, I got to know a lot of people. Um, my first team I joined was a four Four, I think it was a four ride per week team. Um, 
which, and then there's the extra credit and the bonus and the accelerator. And so it ended up being um, a little too much because I do also enjoy running and some other things. So I, the next challenge joined a three ride team. Um, and then a couple of my friends joined in and then a couple more friends and then my husband. And so now the team that I'm on, I've been on for several years, I think many challenges and, um, it, a bunch of my friends are all on it now too, which has been great. Um, so I just want to uh, jump in here, uh, going back to your cancer diagnosis, what stage was, was your cancer? Oh my gosh. I am the luckiest female on this planet. I was stage zero. Um, it was caught early early and it was, it's called DCIS, which is called ductal carcinoma in situ, which means it was all contained in my duct. Um, this is a little plug for get your mammogram. If I had waited another year and skipped a year, it would not have been contained in my duct. So, um, get your mammograms and listen to the radiologist. (laughs) That's that's great advice right now, because I know people skipping appointments with COVID and I was going to skip my, I mean, I was, I thought about like, I had to go in for my mammogram in December. I'm like, no, you got to do this. Like, I don't care. Like I got to go to the hospital. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Not going to skip it. You know, that's when stuff, crazy stuff happens. Um, I had a baby in January. I was supposed to get it. Well, last January, I was supposed to get it a few months after I was like, well, I'm breastfeeding. And they're like, that's okay. You can come in. I'm like, well, now it's COVID. So I waited, (laughs) I waited nine months. And then they're like, you have very dense breast tissue. So I, my sister gave me a heads up. She's like, they're going to call you back. You're going to have to come, you know, go back. So sure enough, I did. And I, I was okay. But now I'm like, if I waited and like, if there was yeah. something wrong, like you I said, know. something could have happened. So um, how old were you at the time of your diagnosis? 42, 42, okay. really young. And your kids really young. What's that? How old were your kids? Um, they were, let's see. So that was three years ago. So 14 and 10, I have two boys um, old enough to be aware of what's going on. That's a scary uh, situation. Yeah. Almost like the most imperfect ages. <laughs> um, because yeah, like you said, they're old enough to know what's going on, but also not old enough to really have the coping strategies and know, um, how to get through something like this. So it was really, um, a a blessing in disguise. I learned a lot about each of my kids and how each of them processes and goes through something difficult. Um, I found it fascinating to, um, they didn't necessarily want to talk to me about their fears because I, I don't think they wanted me to know that they were scared, but it's interesting. One, one of my kids turned to his teachers and that was a sense of comfort for him. And the other one turned to his friends, which was great. And both of them turned to my parents and my sister. And so we are so blessed. We have such a network of friends and family that support us. Um, Nobody ever felt like they weren't heard or they didn't have anybody to turn to, which was great. Mm -hmm. And and now your your sister, uh, the college, <laughs> you guys do a nonprofit about you know just education and uh, for cancer because she went through a similar thing, right? Yeah. So this is sort of part two of my story. Um, so because I was so young and because I was premenopausal, um, 
also because we have an aunt, a paternal aunt, who passed away from ovarian cancer in her early 50s. Um, my, the breast, the first breast surgeon that I started with kind of blew me off when I, when I raised the concern of, hey, listen, I do have an aunt who died of ovarian cancer. Is this something we should be concerned about? And um, his answer was, no, it's a paternal aunt. Don't worry about it. And not just him, but over the years, you know, my aunt died when I was in my early 20s. And over the years, I have routinely asked doctors and gynecologists and, um, you know, is this something that we should be worried about? She was so young when she got it and she died so young. And the answer was always, no, it's a paternal aunt. Don't worry about it. So thank God my, when I divorced that first breast surgeon and I went to my next breast surgeon, he saw the importance of genetic testing. Um, so he actually ordered, he took, he drew my blood that very first day that I met him. Um, he actually had me take the, the labs to FedEx to be shipped to the genetic lab that day because he wanted answers quickly. Um, he had me meet with the genetic counselor the following week and she, genetic counselors are fantastic. I mean, they just know so much. Um, she screened me based on my screen. I was still a very low risk for having any sort of genetic mutation that would lead to breast cancer. Um, I think it was between three and 8% was my, was my risk. Um, and then my sister was actually getting married. So in Florida, so I had, I met with her. I had had the lab work. I jumped on a plane. We went to my sister's wedding. Um, it's the day before the wedding and I was at the pool and I was sipping a cocktail and I got a phone call from my genetic counselor, um, who told me that I indeed tested positive for the BRCA1 genetic mutation. So that completely changed everything. Um, what I was looking at before was likely a lumpectomy and radiation chemo, depending on whether or not it was contained in the duct once they actually got in there. But with the BRCA1 genetic mutation, you're at an 85% risk for breast cancer um, lifetime, in your lifetime. So that meant I needed a, a double mastectomy. Um, you're also at, I don't know the exact percentage, so I don't want to quote it, but a very high percentage for ovarian cancer as well. So that's when my breast surgeon said, okay, here's the new course of action. Here's our plan. This is what we need to do. Um, so, and then again, you know, I went through all of that. I recovered. Everything was great. My sister then got tested last year for the BRCA genetic mutation. Um, we know now that it was passed down from my dad's side. So it is true. Another little plug, just because it comes from your dad's side does not mean that you are not at risk. Um, when one of your parents has it, you have a 50% chance of getting it yourself. So knowing that my sister also had a 50% risk of having it. So she tested positive, um, right before they shut down elective surgeries last year, she, because of COVID, she had already scheduled a hysterectomy, um, a preventative hysterectomy because of BRCA. So she, when they went in, um, they actually found stage one ovarian cancer. Wow. So stage one ovarian cancer is only found less than 10% of the time. It's usually not found until stage three or stage four. So that was truly, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to get spiritual too spiritual here, but divine intervention is certainly at play here. The fact that we caught BRCA 
on the heels of stage zero breast cancer and stage one ovarian cancer um, is nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> so she went through chemo. Um, she's doing great. And we started a nonprofit. Knowledge is Cancer's Kryptonite or Kick for short. Our maiden name is Kickle. So it sort of fit. Um, and the point of our nonprofit is really to educate and empower women with any type of personal history of breast or ovarian <laughs> cancer to seek genetic counseling and testing. Hmm. So how, what, what state, like, where are you right now with your nonprofit? It's off, it's off the ground. It's off the ground. We just started. So we, I put in the paperwork with the IRS in October. We didn't get a final okay that we're a 501c3 um, until February, but it took a while. So we really just started, I would say about six weeks ago. Um, we have had we have formed our, or we're forming our medical advisory board. We've got two, two, uh, no, three people on that board right now, which is great. Um, and they are experts in the field, doctors, genetic counselors. Um, we have also started a, we call it ambassadors. Wait, hold on. Let me get this right. The kick ambassador team, um, which are other people who have been through things similar to what we've been through um you know who can tell their story and also help educate um we've been having a lot of conversations with different labs and different um, organizations to really figure out how we want to use our fundraising efforts so we're sort of in the early stages of all of those things mm -hmm. well it sounds like such a great uh, just something that everyone, as you're talking, like I'm starting to think like, wow, like you don't think about these things until they yeah. hit you in the head. But yes. if you just have a little bit of knowledge, like you said, and just a little bit of like hearing personal anecdotes of like, this happened to me, don't let it happen to you. I think that's such a powerful tool to have. Yes, yeah. yes. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for so many women. Of course. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit about, you know, just going through everything that you went through and finding that, just that mustering up that courage and the energy to like work out. And like, I'm, I'm sure for you, that wasn't easy every day. You've had drains at some point in time. <laughs> so like maybe for people out there who are struggling with their own health battles or they're going through cancer, like how did you find just, that? Yeah, just getting up every morning and yeah. getting, you know, just doing it, you know, that's you gotta motivate yourself. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, so were there days- so like, I can't do this. And you still did. Like, yeah. how did you find that motivation? Well, I, I have always used exercise as a way to cope with stress. And especially during, um, that whole journey, there was so much out of my control and I just had to grab on to anything I could that made me feel like I had some control over something. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was working out. That was getting on the Peloton every day. I knew I could control it. I could decide how hard I wanted to work. I could decide how easy I wanted to take it. I could decide how long I wanted to go for. And it was just my way of, of like I said, trying to grab onto something that I could take for me. It was, my, and it, the other thing too, is so much of that time was devoted to doctor's appointments and, and I was working full-time too. So 
you know, and I'm a physical therapist. I yeah, I was gonna care. you have a full time job. Like this is you have a this is a the nonprofit. That's like a whole side thing. Yes, it's a side thing. So, and I mean, just another quick thing. I actually started my own practice at the same time I started the wow. nonprofit. <laughs> So it's a little crazy. However, um, during that cancer time, I, I was working full time um, for an organization. There were so many demands on me always with my productivity. And, you know, I, I do home care. So I was seeing really sick patients who were, take, were kind of chipping away at my spirit that was already struggling during that time. Um, and for me, my, those workouts kind of filled up my tank a little bit to make me able to go out and help others and do what I needed to do for work too. So, um, I just looked at it sort of as refueling every day and the days I didn't do it, I felt crummy. I felt better getting on the bike and, um, than I did on the days that I didn't get on the bike. Now there were <laughs> a few days during my recovery where I went a little too far, um, <laughs> And my body told me, and I think that's also an important lesson. I really learned how to listen to my body during that time. Um, and, you know, you don't have to go hard every day. It's okay to take a day off and it's okay to go easy on some days when you're just not feeling it, especially when you're recovering or going through something like chemo, which thankfully, praise the Lord, I did not have to do, but um, the surgery and, you know, anything anybody is going through that's hard and difficult with their health mm -hmm. you don't have to go hard every day so now you know we're about four years uh post-surgery or maybe three and a half years do you feel like 100 percent back to yes. where you were even stronger i am even stronger i would say yes yeah. i uh the peloton took me to another level of my fitness and power zone took me even to another level of my fitness because it was, you know, it's objective. It's not arbitrary. Um, the FTP test, you know how you're doing and whether or not you're getting stronger. And, um, you know, I'm watching my output increase. And those are all concrete things that, again, in a world where we have so little control over so many things, especially when you're going through something difficult, it was a nice thing for me to grab onto. Yeah, I've, I've definitely felt, you know, not in the same magnitude, but I've had some times in my life where I'm really struggling and I, I exercise more than, you know, because it's the one thing I could control, like no yep. matter what happens, I don't care. I remember when I was in my 20s, I knew it was going to be a rough day at work and I would go to the pool and swim for like two hours. And I knew that like whatever <laughs> happened that day, at least I knew that like I had a great swim this morning. Yes. Yep. You know, and so exactly. it really does help um, when you're, you know, going through something like that. And yes. it's so great that, you know, you could get your body stronger and back and you're feeling so good now. That's just so wonderful. Yes. Thank you. I feel great. Yeah. And my sister too. My sister ended up getting a Peloton during. Oh, good. Yeah. I was going to, I was like, you must've rubbed off on your sister. Oh yeah, I totally did. So, and she, um, that was huge too. I mean, during chemo, she was getting on that bike and riding and doing what she could. And, um, it was, it was great. It was a godsend for her. Um, so yes, I definitely rubbed off on her. I didn't mean to, I was never <laughs> pushing it, but uh, her and her husband 
uh, and her husband, it wore off on her husband too. Her husband has lost, um, my brother-in-law has lost, I think like 30 or 40 pounds oh, since wow. I got the Peloton and um, kind of off of it, the meds that he was on before. And I mean, it really has changed both of each of their health journeys. So are they also, did they do the power zone challenges as well? No. Although my brother-in-law, um, he's built for power zone. He needs to get into it. Um, uh, but my sister's not interested yet. <laughs> That's totally fine. You know, I try to convince my friends and they're like, we just like our Cody classes. You know? Know. Cody right. power zone. No. Okay. Then no, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Katie, what's one thing that you, like, what's one message that you want to send to listeners out there just about being resilient and just like staying strong no matter what? So, well, first of all, get your mammogram. Second of all, I'm, I'm doing a little plug here. Please seek genetic testing if there is any doubt in your mind that there might be something going on in your family. And I am here if you have any questions or concerns about any of those things. Um, and then with the overall message, I think we are, you know, you hear the instructors say this all the time, but we are so much stronger than we know. And I remember being at my lowest, lowest point, um, crying on the floor of my closet and my husband came in and he literally, like literally picked me up off the floor. Um, he, that's another lesson is you do have to rely on the ones that love you because they want to help you. And so I learned to lean on him and that was huge for my own strength and my own resilience as well. Um, but he picked me up off the floor and I, I went to bed that night barely slept, was super worried um, where there were some tests we were waiting on and we didn't know if it was stage zero, it could have been further along, et cetera, et cetera. And I woke up the next morning with this newfound strength of whatever this is, I'm going to do this. So, um, and again, it just goes back to even if you're at your lowest point, let yourself feel it, go ahead and go there, but do not stay there you got to pick yourself up and just keep going and rely on the fact that you are way stronger than you think. Yeah, that's such a great message. Thank you for sending it. Thank you for sharing your personal story with us. I know it's going to inspire so many people. It's amazing. Your, your positive attitude, it comes out, you know, even before having talked to you like this, um, you know, your your presence on Facebook. And, and if, if, if you guys have not followed her on TikTok, Cleveland Kate, it's, you are just, it makes me laugh out loud. Like I just, I love it. So that was a product of the whole pandemic. I mean, I'm just like, I looked at it last night again. I was just like dying laughing and my son, Leo, what are you looking at? Oh my gosh, this is funny. But yeah, you just positive here. It is amazing. So keep, you know, keep that going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will. Thanks to the Peloton. Well, that's a wrap on the very first episode of the Empower Hour with Katie and Sarah. We want to thank Coach Beck Wasner for weighing in on the FTP testing and pregnancy. And of course, our powerhouse guest, Katie Kickle Hernandez, who we hope will inspire you to get on the bike no matter what you're going through today. 
We hope to come back and bring you guys more inspiring and insightful conversation and just share our love for all things Peloton and Power Zone training. So we will be back soon. And in the meantime, we will see you on the leaderboard.